This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. Sing that with me, Kingdom Corner. This is the air I breathe. Yes, you are the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. You are my daily bread. You are my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. Let's sing that again. You are my daily bread. Yes, you are my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. And I, I'm desperate for you. Yes, I, I'm desperate for you, and I, I'm lost without you. You are my daily bread, you are my daily bread. And I, I'm lost without you. And I, I'm desperate for you, for you. You are my daily bread. Welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Guy. Good day, Kingdom Corner. I'm back with you again on another episode of the Kingdom Corner, of course. And today I'm so excited because I believe God gave me another part to the message we talked about last time we were together. And that was about living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we're going to continue that. And we're just going to give this one the title, What's for Dinner? What's for Dinner? That's what I want to talk about today. And you know, first of all, we want to go back to set the tone a little bit from the last time we were together. Uh, We spoke from John 4, 31 to 34. We could go back to that for a second, where Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by the devil to turn stone into bread. And he said, man shall not live, this was Jesus' response, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every matzah that proceeds from the mouth of God, every rhema, as the New Testament says. And we said the last time that that would just hit on that, that that is a refreshing word that God wants to give you in a moment that you need for the time and the season you're in. That's what we said. You need to go back and listen to that. That's what we were talking about the last time. Man shall not live by bread. That is by the things that man considers, you know, fulfilling alone. But by every matzah, every word, every rhema word that comes from the mouth of God, 
And of course, he wants to give that to you if you will just ask him. He'll tell you that. Bread was a main staple of the Hebrew Jewish culture. It represented food to them and life. So Jesus said man's earthly bread was not enough. It would leave them empty. You can't live on bread alone. And isn't that ironic? Even in the wilderness where he was probably really starving because he had been on a 40-day fast, could have yielded to what the devil said and made bread, man's bread. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. The word live means that which is efficacious, that which has the ability to produce a desired result or power to produce an effect. Hence, having effectiveness or productiveness. In other words, he's saying man's bread is not efficacious. It does not have ability to produce a desired result or to have the power to have an effect or effectiveness to bring total fulfillment in one's life. The word bread is the opposite of this that, that man is talking about. It cannot produce life or sustenance, you know, total fulfillment. So we're talking about what's for dinner today. Let's talk about bread. Let's talk about food because bread to the Hebrew, to the Jew represented life. It represented their one main food staple. And, you know, around here a lot, we hear that, you know, what's for dinner, grandma? That's where I got the title because my wife makes such loving meals for us and the grandchildren, you know, they're growing, they're teenagers, and they're always saying, what's for dinner, grandma? Or grandfather, because sometimes grandfather here cooks, or even to their mom, what's for dinner, mom? Because she'll cook too, because they're hungry. They're always hungry. That's a key. We need to be hungry, don't we? We must be hungry for what the food from heaven that he wants to give, the manna that he wants to provide. So let's go further and talk about that. So what did Jesus say? I want to read this word to you today because it's so good. We're going to go further with this. This is part two, living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what's for dinner? Now listen to this, John 4, 31 to 34. John 4, 31 to 34. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did they? Jesus said, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What fed Jesus, what transformed Jesus was doing the work of his father that came from hearing the word of his father. We're going to talk about that a bit today. So we talked about the granddaughters being hungry here, and it is important spiritual principle to stay hungry. Okay, we must be hungry, hungry for God, hungry then to do part of that hunger is to do his will and to do his work. In the natural, there are all kinds of bread and food, are there not? Some is good for us, you know, like eating your Wheaties maybe, maybe not, that might have too much sugar, but eating uh, wheat bread, eating fruits and vegetables, some not so good. I mean, like eating maybe candy or chips or burgers. And I mean, I eat some of those things, but I mean to eat them in excess, that's not good. And, you know, I was studying this subject of food and I've been studying a lot about it lately because I'm getting older and I want to know how to eat right, to have energy 
and to sustain myself. And do you know there are some food and supplements that can actually reduce the aging process that can make us younger? Bodybuilders tear down, like I used to do years ago, their body by lifting weights, by exercising, and then they become stronger once they're done by eating good food and supplements. We must exercise our gifts. That's the exercise we will do. We must do God's will. That's eating his food. And by doing God's will, that means like Jesus, we're doing the work of the Father. We're exercising our gifts, doing the work, and then we will increase in spiritual strength. There's natural food as well as spiritual food, right? We've talked about that. And we could make the parallel spiritually to the works of the kingdom, the gifts of God that we're exercising and by spreading the word and by using our gifts, whether it's teaching or whether it's uh, prophesying or whether it's evangelizing, that builds us up and it builds others up. But there's also other food as well, natural food, internet, the television, all kind of books, hobbies, possessions, even things that you say to yourself or say to others that those things can build you up as well if they're good things, but they can also be detrimental and tear you down, okay? I would say that if you're hearing the Word of God, that part of that, like Jesus, He's giving you food to eat, which is to do His will, to exercise the gifts He's given you. And so many Christians today, they receive so much spiritual food without taking action and just like I did years ago when I lifted weights and I got into this and I gained muscle and I actually built my weight up a bit because I needed to. I was skinny. I was a 130-pound kid, I mean, at 18 years old, but I built my body up. But then I got to a point where I got lazy and I was eating all the good food and the good supplements. I was taking it into my body, but it wasn't working out. I wasn't exercising and I got fat. There's a lot of fat Christians out there sitting in the pews, sitting in the church today, because they have not exercised the gifts that God gave them. Job said, this is a beautiful scripture, I have not departed, Job 23, 12, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth. Now get this, get this, more than necessary food. Whoo! That's convicting to me, friend. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than necessary food. What about you, my friend? What about me? Can we say that? You know, that's where I got into this study in the first place about every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, because my friend Noel was talking to me about how God was calling him to fast so that God would make him more hungry for his presence, for God's life than regular bread, regular food. Are we treasuring the words of his mouth more than food? That's convicting. Let's read in Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. You ought to be teachers. That's what he's saying to a lot of people in the church today. As much as you've heard, you ought to be teachers. You know, even the great responsibility there is you still ought to be teachers. You know, not everybody's a called teacher, but we all ought to be teaching somebody. However, you must be taught, again, the first principles. You need milk, not solid food, or one translation says not meat. For all who partake of the milk only are unskilled in the word of righteousness. You know, he wants you to become skilled. He wants to build you up so you can give forth a word of righteousness. For he becomes unskilled if he's just feeding on milk. He's just a babe. 
but the solid food or meat belongs to those who are of full age, who are mature, those who by reason of their senses are exercised to good and evil. See, you need to come to the next level. You didn't get saved just to sit in a church and hear a message all the time and get fat. You got saved to exercise your gifts and to exercise between good and evil, to be on the offensive as a Christian and make a difference in your town and community and to your neighbor, you know, to teach them as it were. Let's read another scripture that In Luke 24, if you want to read verse 30 and on, I'll just paraphrase. Jesus, well, there were two disciples. Cleopas was one of them, I believe, on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion. And my, they were depressed and down and out. They thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government, didn't they? And when that didn't uh, happen and he was crucified, it's like they lost all hope. It's like Their balloon was burst, and they were hopeless. And what happens along the road comes Jesus. You know, do you think that was by chance? I think that was divine, a divine meeting, a divine journey. And he runs into these two disciples, these down and cast, down and out disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he began to talk to them as they shared their heartache and expound to them from the prophets and from the Psalms and the Pentateuch about how Jesus was that promise that was prophesied of. And they listened. It said their hearts were burning within them. And then they, you know, it's about seven miles, I think, to Emmaus from where they were traveling. So they had to take a break for the night and stop and have dinner. And it says, as they broke bread together, Jesus broke the bread Their eyes were enlightened and they knew who he was as they partook of the bread of life uh, physically there that he gave them. It represented his life. They were enlightened. We need to partake of the bread of life. We need to eat that bread so we can become enlightened. And it says our hearts burned. They were hungry. The key is to be hungry and he will break the bread for you and give you what you need. And I'm sure they went on and they were successful ministering disciples after that because they exercised the bread that he gave them. I believe that. I can't go to a scripture and prove that, but I believe that's what happened with them. Acts 2, 24 to 46. The church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking bread from house to house. Yes, they shared meals together. That's part of what that meant. But really the breaking of bread actually means to fracture or break, and it alludes to or speaks of them having communion, taking of the bread and wine together. And what happened is they did that going from house to house. The Lord added to the church daily. Do you know as we break bread together in true Christian fellowship in the house of God, with the temple of God, not necessarily at a building, but even having coffee with our brothers and sisters down at the coffee shop or speaking on the phone. We're breaking the bread, spiritually speaking. We're growing, and God will add to our numbers. God will increase his church that way because we will be inspired, right? The next scripture, 1 Kings 17, 7 to 14. If you want to read in there, I'm going to paraphrase this. It's about Elijah, it's about a loaf of bread, and it's about a widow and her son. And she was down on her luck. She was starving because there had been, what, a famine in the land? And here comes the prophet Elijah to her house, and she's going to put him up for the night. He said, woman, make me 
a cake. Make me some bread. And she looked at him in horror. I can just imagine. And she said, my son and I are getting ready with the last bit of oil we have to make our own cake of bread. We'll eat it and then we'll die. And he prophesied to her right then and there. He said, no. He said, if you will make me a bread, if you will make me a cake, basically God will supply your vats with unending oil so you can make bread continually until the famine is over. And that I'm paraphrasing that. You can read it. First Kings 17, 7 to 14. And you know, God did just that. She by faith stepped out and made him a cake of bread. Some of you by faith need to step out. You may not think you have much to share or to give, but God is asking you to give that little morsel of bread, that little morsel morsel of the word that you have. He's asking you to give it out and he will multiply it as you do that by faith. Remember the gift of the talent, the parable of the gifts of the talents and all those ones were given talents and one hid their talent. And the master You know, the parable is the master was not happy with the one when he came back because he didn't multiply his talent. And he gave it to to the guy who had 10 talents or five talents and multiplied them to 10. God wants your talent, your gift to be multiplied, does he not? And then let's finish up with some other scriptures. And I hopefully will get into one more passage that I was reading today. Let's read these scriptures. They're so good about eating the bread, about eating God's bread, about eating Uh, his word, as it were. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 3, 1 to 3. God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel and said, Eat the scroll. Fill your belly with it. And he began to eat the scroll, and it was sweet to his mouth, but bitter to his belly. You know, sometimes the word we eat seems so sweet, and yet it can become bitter in a certain sense, because at first, because I think of what we have to do what God's called us to, because when you eat, he expects you to do something with that. Another scripture, Jeremiah 15, 16. Now, this is the prophet Jeremiah, my favorite prophet. They called him the weeping prophet. He was the 11th hour prophet to Judah before they were going to be all going into Babylon captivity. And he'd gone through much persecution because there were so many prophets saying, that's not going to happen. God's going to take care of us. He's going to redeem us. He's going to send away Babylon, the enemy, and we're going to be rich again. And you know, that wasn't the word God had for them. He said they were going to go into 70 years captivity. And so he went through beatings. He went through name-calling. He went through whippings. He went through fire. He went through being stoned. He went through being drugged through the mud. He went through many persecutions to the point of where sometimes he said, I can't speak anymore. And yet the word was on him so powerfully, he said he couldn't shut it up within his bones and he had to give it out. And he had such love for the people that he would cry for them and cry for their situation. In the midst of all this chaos, trial, and turmoil, These words came to Jeremiah. The words were found, and I did eat them. The word was unto me a joy and a rejoicing of my heart. Some of you today may be in the midst of a trial, may be in the midst of a a family situation or a job situation where you're out of work, where it's great turmoil and great trial. God wants to give you a word to eat that will give you joy and rejoicing even in the midst of your trial. 
I declare that for you. Those that are going through things today, I declare that he will give you a word to eat that will give you joy, hope, and rejoicing even now as you go through this turmoil. Let's read another couple scriptures. Revelation 10, 9, to John the Beloved. He talked, the angel said, you need to eat this scroll and it will be sweet to your mouth, but bitter to your tummy. That's another one. And then let's read some Psalms. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are thy words to my taste. They are sweeter than honey. Is the word that he's giving you, is the, what he's saying to you sweet to your taste? Oh, take that in, friend, and then exercise it. Psalm 119.72, the law of your mouth, the law of your mouth, Lord, what you're saying to me is better to me than a thousand pieces of gold or silver. Wow, I, I couldn't help but think of the one guy who I think it was uh, Elisha, or was it Elijah, where he had a servant, Gehazi, and they had Naaman dip in the, in the river seven times, and uh, of course, God healed him. And uh, Naaman said, let me pay you, let me pay you. He said, no, I will not receive anything for that. Well, you know, that's what got Gehazi to fall away more or less because he went after he went after Naaman and he said, you can give me the reward. And sure enough, Naaman gave him the reward. And what happened to Gehazi he was cursed with leprosy. You know, to seek the sustenance of the world instead of being fed from God sometimes may cause something grave like that to happen. I'm not saying God's going to curse you, but if you go away from really being sustained by God, you know, you can have things that come on your life that are not very pleasant, okay? Let's see. We've read through those scriptures. Now I want us to turn. I was going to say, if you want to read about the real bread, Jesus being the bread of life, you need to read in John 6. So, I'm going to end up there today in What's for Dinner. Let's read from there. There's so much in here I was reading this morning, and I'm just going to turn to it and read through it. You, you, we need to read the whole chapter. I'm not going to do that here, but you can go back and do that. And this is just after he fed the 5,000 with the two fish and I think it was and five loaves of bread. And this is what Jesus said. All the crowds were following him, and he was teaching, and they and they got hungry. And so Jesus did the miracle of multiplying the fish and the loaves, right? So verse 26 of chapter 6, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs or the miracle I did, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. In other words, they ate of that food there, that earthly food, and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but the food which endures to eternal life. And you know what I'm talking about, as you've been here today, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. They said, therefore, to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So they want to know how to do the work of God. They're asking him. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. First of all, that you believe in him whom he has sent. In other words, that you believe in me, he was saying. They said, therefore, to him, What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you do? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven. Jesus said, therefore, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread of heaven, but is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. You know, they wanted to know how to do the works of God, didn't they? He's telling them here. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They therefore said to him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and you do not yet believe. In other words, he's telling them he's the bread. He's the one that will give them sustenance to do that spiritual and kingly work. But they're, they're not hearing it. All that the Father gives me, he shall come to me and they'll be part of me. Let's read verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Remember that he said his his food was to do the will of the Father. So he's talking about that here. This is the will of him who sent me, and that all of them that he has given me lose nothing, but will be raised up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. So he's doing that work by evangelizing here, is he not? And I will raise him up on the last day. But the Jews grumbled about because of what he was saying, that he was the bread of life come out of heaven. And they were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come from heaven? Jesus said, don't grumble and complain. Let's skip down. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your father ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven so that the one may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came from out of heaven. If anyone eats the bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also I give him for the life of the world is my flesh. Truly, truly, I say to you, now listen to this, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. In other words, he was the food they were to eat. He was the one that would give them and sustain them with the works they were to do by knowing him, by partaking of him. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I have because of the Father, so he who eats me, he shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. Now let's read. Many said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus said, does this cause you to stumble? And then we can jump down again. Verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples were through and would walk with him no more. Jesus said to the twelve, Will you do likewise? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You are the one with the words of eternal life. Oh my, oh my, he is the one that is the bread of life today, my friend. He is the one that we must eat of. He is the one that we have to eat that bread that the world does not know of. 
and then do His will, because that's what true transformation will cause us to do. This has been What's for Dinner. What are you eating? What is sustaining you today? Is it every word that proceeds from God, or is it the words and the sustenance of the world? Be blessed, my friend. Thank you for tuning in. I just pray that this message touches you the way that God intends. Amen. Hey, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner. Make sure you click that subscribe button so you get notified every time we release a new episode. Welcome to the family.